Hello, and welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day number 29. Again, this is the Heidelberg Catechism written by Zacharias Ursinus in the 1560s. And real quick, before we start this episode, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's podcast with Dr. Miles V. Van Pelt, he talked about the Old Testament, how we understand it theologically in light of Christ and his work, how we understand it rightly, read it rightly in its context, and as it relates to Christ's finished work. And Thursday's book club episode with Drs. Robert Plummer and Dr. Channing Chrysler on their book, Always Reforming. So if you guys want to read Martin Luther for yourself in his own words and how he did biblical studies work, then please go pick up a copy of that. Listen to the episode and we'll start with Lord's Day 29. So we have two questions, 78 and 79. This is Lord's Supper Part 2. So start with 78. Are then the bread and wine changed into the real body and blood of Christ? Answer, no. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ, and is not the washing away of sins itself, but is simply God's sign and pledge. So also the bread and the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it is called Christ's body in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. And here's Ursinus's exposition. This one's a little bit longer than question 79. Question 79 is a lot shorter. So bear with me. Ursinus's exposition of question answer 78. The catechism and the answer to this question rejects the doctrine of transubstantiation. And what transubstantiation is, the true body and blood of Christ, the actual person, body, blood of Christ, is actually in the sacraments, being re-sacrificed every single week. Saying, rejects the doctrine of transubstantiation advocated by the papists, the Roman Catholic Church, and also the doctrine of consubstantiation, which is, generally speaking, the Lutheran doctrine of the Lord's Supper, where the body is both in, with, and under. It is truly there in his human body, defended by the ubiquitarians and others, and ubiquity we, we defined last week, and explains the language which is here used together with the true sense of the words of Christ, this is my body. In his exposition, he considered two questions, or Sinus did. The form of speech here used and the true sense of the words of Christ. And the Christ says, this is my body. And Ursina says, as the scriptures sometimes speak of baptism properly and at other times figuratively, as we demonstrated when speaking of baptism, so they speak in the like manner of the Lord's Supper. Just like the question answer says, it is not the literal cleansing of sins, but it points to the grace of of the cleansing of our sins. Just like this is the Lord's Supper. It is, for instance, a figurative mode of speech when Christ says, of the, of the bread, this is my body, and of the cup, this is my blood. These declarations are all to be understood as spoken figuratively of the body of Christ. Ursinicism give, gives us four arguments for his reading of the Lord's Supper. First, the arguments deduced from the words and circumstances connected with the institution of the Lord's Supper. He says, human nature of Christ at the first celebration of the supper sat at the table 
and is now in heaven. Therefore, his body is not literally in the bread. Christ did not break his body. He broke the bread. Body of Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. Bread is made out, made out of meal, another, another way of him saying barley. Christ said of the visible bread, which was broken, this is my body. And of the visible cup, this is the New Testament in my blood. The body of Christ, which we eat in the supper, was delivered to death and crucified for us, which cannot be said of the bread. The cup is the New Testament in the same way in which the bread is the body of Christ. If the bread is properly the body and the cup the blood of Christ, it must follow that these properties were separated from Christ at the supper. Christ did not drink and eat of himself at the table. Remembrance is not of things bodily present, but absent. Christ's proper body is not in the elements, for we are waiting for him to come back and proclaim his work in the sacraments until then. The same supper the disciples celebrated, we ourselves celebrate. His second argument is the argument which are drawn from the nature of the sacraments. And he says his language is figurative and sacramental for the substance of the sacraments points to the signified Christ. And again, the difference between sign and things signified, we've been really pushing these last couple of Lord's days. Because of this, a correspondence between signs and things signified is given to us. The nature of all sacraments required the signs be corporeal, meaning bodily or physical, and the things signified be spiritual. Sacramental phrases must be understood sacramentally. The sacraments are visible promises of the gospel, promising the same things that the gospel promises. And this point is going to be crucial later on in this episode. Eating the flesh of Christ is repugnant to the formal character of the sacraments. The communion the word promises, the sacraments seal, is not corporal than physical something, but spiritual. The sacraments of both the Old Testament and New Testament signify the same thing, communion with Christ. And such a crucial point is that. His third argument is drawn from the analogy or the correspondence of the articles of our faith. And we can think of the Apostles' Creed, what he just went through a couple weeks ago. Because of the nature of Christ's body, the second person of the Trinity, putting on flesh, he cannot be both in the bread and in the body at the same time. Added to this, because Christ truly ascended in his body, he cannot also be in the bread and cup. Think about that. Christ's true body, his physical body, has been ascended into heaven. How can that same body also be on earth? He has the same body we do. Yes, he's two natures, both truly divine and truly human. So his body, as our body is, as Hebrews talks about, can't be in both places at one time. Understanding the communion of saints, because the disciples enjoyed the supper spiritually, so do we. In terms of the forgiveness of sins, if the bread is the true presence, there is also the grace. 
This means sinners must look to the hands of the minister versus their communion with Christ through the sacraments. And this goes back to our point where the sacraments are visible promises of the gospel. They themselves are not the gospel. They point to the gospel. And how crucial is that? If Christ is truly in the sacraments, he must be sacrificed as often as the communion is taken. And then his last argument, the fourth argument drawn from parallel passages of scripture, which teach the same doctrine and language, which does not admit of any controversy. And the controversies he's talking about are transubstantiation and consubstantiation. If you guys want a definition of that, just rewind to the beginning of this episode. Parallel passages like the Passover lamb, the Sabbath, are also interpreted as the Lord's Supper. The blood of Christ is the New Testament in the same sense in which the cup is. In the same sense, the bread is now the communion of the body of Christ. Christ expressly rejects the eating of his flesh with the mouth in John 6. And also Paul quoting the words in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Question answer 79. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood or the new covenant in his blood? And why does Paul speak of a participation in the body and blood of Christ? Answer. Christ speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us by his supper that his bread and wine sustain us in this temporal life. So his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. But ever more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge first that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs of remembrance of him. And second, that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. And here's Osinus' exposition. This one's shorter. Seeing then that the words of Christ, this is my body, do not teach transubstantiation nor consubstantiation, we, we must now inquire. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood? That is, why does he attribute the names of the things signified to the signs? There are two reasons on account of which Christ thus speaks. The first is on account of the analogy which there is between the bread and the body of Christ. The other is on account of the certainty or the confirmation of that of what the signs and things signified exhibit jointly in the lawful use of the sacraments. The correspondence or analogy which there is between the bread and the body of Christ consists in these things. First, as bread and wine support this temporal life, so the body and blood of Christ are the true meat and drink by which our souls are fed unto eternal life. Second, as bread and wine are received with the mouth, so the body and blood of Christ are received by faith, which is the mouth of the soul. Third, as bread is not taken with the, into the system as whole, but is eaten, being broken, so the body of Christ is received, being sacrificed and broken on the cross. And fourth, as bread and wine do not profit those who eat and drink them without any appetite or desire, 
And it is necessary for us to come to the table hungry and thirsty. So the blood of Christ profit us nothing unless we come to his table hungering and thirsting out of after righteousness. As out of many grains, one meal is ground and one bread is baked. And that is out of many berries pressed together, one wine floweth, floweth. So we, being many, are by the use of these signs made one body and grow up into the one body, which is Christ, and among ourselves. The certainty or confirmation of our faith is in like manner a reason why Christ affirms of the signs what is peculiar to the thing signified. For the signs declare that the sacrifice of Christ is accomplished, and that for our salvation, as certainly as we have the signs. Yes, that we are fed with the crucified body and shed blood of Christ, as certainly as we receive the sacred signs of the body and blood of Christ. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Catechism Saturday Lord's Day number 29. We went through question answers 78 and 79. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, learning a little bit more about the Lord's Supper, the gospel visibly promised in the Lord's Supper, visibly promised. Next Monday, look forward to Dr. John Curry of Westminster Theological Seminary. His topic is preaching in the church. He's going to show you how a reformed pastor thinks about preaching, and how as we, as congregants under this preaching, are to see the preached word as the gospel. And then Thursday, we have Dr. Adinus Vaidu on his book, The Same God Who Works All Things. Again, as we tease this past Thursday, he's going to show us what inseparable operations means and how this is so crucial for understanding of the Trinity. So we hope to see you guys next week on the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world and how to best do that is rate and review us on itunes yeah and you after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all at once retweeting us on twitter liking us on twitter liking us on instagram following us on both of those platforms because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast these guests and most importantly the gospel the doctrines uh, that these guests are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. Yeah. And you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um, our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, this specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating. So we hope you guys 
can help us bridge the gap, pay for shipping, get nicer stuff, all for the focus of spreading the gospel further. Yep. All for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time.